Delta is the best company in the battalion. Major Smith is tough as they say. I should be in command of other professionals. I see you brought your tortoise, Murray. He's my mate. Yet I find myself here breastfeeding a bunch of kids. All units, prepare for enemy attack. Artillery have driven the enemy back. Fire! And now we're going after him. At long tail. Just your typical shoot and scoot. We're not going to find anything. With any luck, Lieutenant. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pekovic, and this is episode number 238. Out now in Australian cinemas is Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan, the true story of an intense battle during the Vietnam War in which 108 Australian soldiers took on 2,500 North Vietnamese and Viet Cong soldiers and held their ground with 18 Anzacs giving their life in service to their country. A thrilling and heartbreaking depiction of a heroic battle within an unpopular war, Danger Close is also a brilliant technical achievement that places its audience in the thick of an intense firefight. Joining me now is the director of Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan, Mr. Kriv Stenders. Kriv, I thank you very much for talking to me today. Cheers, Matt. No worries. So, The Battle of Long Tan. Now, this was known by many military academics and enthusiasts, but... For the general public, especially in Australia, it didn't have that same kind of um, uh, recognition of, say, Gallipoli or Kokoda. I'm just really curious, when was the first time did you know about the the Battle of Long Tan? I I was vaguely aware of it before I got the script. I got the script in 2011, and I think I was only aware of it because maybe I'd read a a Good Weekend article, like in the Saturday papers about it. It was coming up to some anniversary, I think, and I'd read about it vaguely then. But it wasn't until I read the script and then saw the documentary that Martin Walsh, the, the lead producer, had made that I suddenly understood the full scope and breadth of the story and realised what an astounding and incredible story it was. Martin Walsh really is a proponent for this this story to be out there and, and like you said he does have his own documentary which I think is out on YouTube now for a lot of people to see um, when you first met him does his enthusiasm for this time for the soldiers who served during this battle really kind of win you over to want to make this movie yeah I mean you know it was I could see his passion for it I could see this was something that he that he had a singular belief in you know a pretty driven belief in making um, and you know, I really responded to the script because what I liked about the script was that even in that early version, it really just concentrated on the battle. And that that really won me over because I thought, you know, every film, so many films would be made about the Vietnam War and the experience, the Vietnam War experience. And what I liked about the script was that it really just concentrated on the battle and it could have been any battle in any war. Yeah. Um, but it was because it was through the prism of these Australian soldiers, these young conscripts, it sort of, it, it worked in its own world, it worked in its own, um, within its own realm. So that, that, along with Martin's, I guess, determination to get the story told was really what won me over and, and, and made me commit. It's a really interesting point that you brought up because I was just about to say that Vietnam War movies usually have more to do the politics of the time than say what was happening in the field and what your film did so well is that it it looked at the soldiers themselves not about why they were there but what they were doing when they were there which I think was just a incredible thing to do I mean 
is was there any type of any type of suggestion whatsoever to kind of edge in some type of political kind of talk because there was also um, afterwards a very shameful period there where the Australian government itself failed to recognise the, the contributions that these um, soldiers made. Yeah, well, one of the earlier drafts, well, the original draft I read was bookended by, you know, um, uh, Harry Smith um, at Canberra trying to kind of fight for, you know, the, the, the recognition of the men. Um, but we realised, look, that was just getting in the way of, of, of a much much leaner, much more muscular, much purer story. Yep. And I'm a big fan, you know, of one of my favourite films is a film by Paul Greengrass called United 93. I think it's one of the most extraordinary films made in the last 20 years. And I love the fact that that film just dealt with the day, dealt with, dealt with the uh, characters, dealt with the dynamics, dealt with the actual minutiae of that day. And, and everyone else knows the context of the Vietnam War and I, and I felt that the idea, this idea of the fact that these men hadn't been recognised was much better done as a postscript. Um, mm-hmm. It would be more poignant. So we just, we made a lot of decisions just to really strip it back and to make something that was very, very crystal and very, um, very streamlined and allowed them people to bring their own context to it. You mentioned the name Major Harry Smith. He's portrayed by Travis Fimmel in, in Danger Close. Um, it's really interesting, Travis's career, considering he's a huge star, but he's hardly worked in Australia. I think Danger Close is his second movie that he's done here. Um, what was it like to work with him in this role? And what do you think it was like for him to return to Australia and work in a movie that had such a responsibility attached to it? Well, firstly, working with Travis was an absolute pleasure i mean he's a very uh he's a very instinctive actor he you know acting isn't you know he, he's not a trained actor so there is a sort of a um a fantastic raw energy that he brings um but he's also super intelligent you know he's very very thoughtful and he knows a lot about story and he knows a lot about character and a lot of his ideas we incorporated into the script so i think i think you know he I think it was just one of those projects that you know, we managed to kind of sell him on purely because of the fact that he could make it make the character his own character. Like the character um, of Harry Smith on the page was, was was kind of neutral, and Travis saw an opportunity to kind of imbue Harry Smith with his own version of Harry, which is someone who's you know um, torn and struggling with the responsibility of being the commander of these men and sending these boys off to be killed but at the same time frustrated by that. And that struggle, that conflict, that inner conflict was something that, that Travis really tapped into. And I think is, you know, it's very evident there on the big screen. When I read movies about, um, when I read stories about movies based on wars or, or war movies, I always read about these pre-production kind of rituals, maybe boot camp and, and such. Did you put your actors through the same kind of thing to kind of build a camaraderie and have some type of kind of grounded experience before um, shooting began? Yeah, we, we, we kind of did our version of it, which was, you know, a cheap version because we, 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 we didn't have much pre-pro time. Um, you know, we cast the film very, very quickly, very late. So a lot of the boys kind of came together in the last couple of weeks before the shoot. But they basically did a boot camp of about two days um, with our military um, advisors and our stud people. 
Um, and in a way, the, the intensity of that two days was just as good as doing it over you know, a month or a week because the, the pressure was there to learn this and to, you know, like within a week, you're going to be out there holding guns, lying on your guts and trying to make it look real. So that, that was a... You know, that was a fantastic bonding experience for them, but also, you know, it kind of galvanised everyone and focused them. You know, there's nothing like fear to kind of motivate people. So in a funny kind of way, the short time period really helped us. You spoke before about having wanted an audience to kind of experience what the soldiers were going through in, on the field, and a lot of that has to do, has based around this really intense firefight. I mean, you really kind of feel like you're really a part of what's on the screen. Um, the size and scope of this is just massive. Um, and I think when you look at back at your filmography, something new to you as well. How did you want to approach your action scenes? Um, for example, how much do we see on screen is, say, practical effects as opposed to post-production uh, visual stuff? Well, I guess Firstly, that's, I think that's a two-part question. So the first part is really how we approached it was, um, you know, I had a very great script by Stuart Beattie. Um, he wrote in a very lean style, a very minimalist style that was really easy for me to translate to the screen. So everything that was you see on the screen is on the page. So it was very easy to compartmentalise. So we just broke it down into parts, into bits and pieces. Uh, because if you start to think about the whole, you just kind of shit yourself. Yeah. So I just had to kind of break it up into small chunks. And, you know, one of the things, what I liked about the script was that every gun that was fired, every artillery round that was fired had a consequence. So unlike other war movies where the sort of geography is kind of chaotic and shooting is just sort of like, has no motivation, every firefight, every time there was a charge, every time these men had to fight back, that that's actually what happened. So I like the precision of that. So that was sort of that was kind of interesting to to, to, to sort of, as I said, compartmentalise and, and break down and shoot, and to also be very conscious of geography and try to make the audience understand where all these platoons were and what was happening. Um, and then in terms of the practical effects, virtually everything, um, all the gun effects, all the squibs, all the um, the bullet hits, all the muzzle flashes are all done in CG. We basically had uh, dry props like rubber guns. Um, the actors just mined, you know, the recoil and everything else was put in post. Yep. Because if we had to do it with the real blanks, we'd still be there shooting the film. Yep. And we wouldn't be able to got the angles that we got. We were able to bring the cameras right up alongside the guns, right up into the soldiers' faces. Something you just can't do with a camera with a live, with a live round. Um, so that kind of gave us the freedom, sort of unshackled us, it gave us the sort of liberty to put the camera wherever we wanted and knowing that we could rely on the, 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 the CG team to, to, to put everything else in later just gave us incredible flexibility and we were able to shoot quickly as well. Final question, Kriv. I was at the, um, the Sydney Film Festival screening, the first screening, which I think was outside of maybe a Carson Cruise screen was kind of like the first time the public got a chance to watch this film. And in that audience, there were cast, crew, there were veterans from that war and other wars and, and relatives of people who, who served and died at Long Tan. Um, this movie was a real process, like nine years to get on screen. Once you are there and you spoke beforehand to the audience and people watched the film and they stand up and they cheer at the end of it, in the scope of your career, is it fair to say that that right there was perhaps the most satisfying moment in your career so far? 
Um, yeah, one of them. I mean, look, you know, the thing is, is that it's it's all relative. You know, you um, you have these adventures, you go on these journeys and make these films, and they're they're all difficult. No, no film is easy, and um, every film that you make is you know it's very satisfying when you do finally make it and screen it to an audience. But this film, I think. I think it's more, maybe not so much that night, but it's been, you know, the, since the, the weeks since the film's been released and months since it's been out there, the responses and reactions I've been getting are just, it's kind of like, I'm like anything I've experienced before, you know, it really feels like we've, we've, we've told a very significant Australian story that's, that's connecting and resonating with, with people of all generations. And, it's, and I think for the veteran community especially, it's been quite extraordinary. Like, a lot of people... The social media has been been amazing. A lot of people are reconnecting, finding each other, talking about the battle, talking about their relatives, talking about themselves. We've got soldiers who are in the battle, you know, communicating directly with with people, younger people. It's quite it's quite it's quite an amazing thing to sort of watch unfold. Like you know, you trigger this thing, and then and then you realise like you know the resonances of this are quite wide and profound. So that is sort of for me the most satisfying thing is knowing we've made a film. Hopefully that will that will last, that will become a classic and that will, you know, um, speak to generations from now on. So that makes me very proud and enormously, um, yeah, gratified. So for everyone out there listening, Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan, out now in Australian cinemas, get out there and watch it. It's an important film and it's a damn fine film as well. And Chris Stenders, congratulations to you on the making of your movie. And uh, once again, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Matt, and thanks so much for the support. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.